So I'll let you in on a little secret. I'm a very direct person. Hurry up. Let's get this done. I seek efficiency. And if you're wasting my time, I just don't have time for you. Now, I'm not a rude person, but time is money. Time is a precious commodity we all need. And then I met Josh Little. He is the owner of Volley, a new asynchronous video communication tool. Now, what does all this mean? Think about it. Video, connecting with people on video, Zoom, and all those other apps have been amazing, especially during this time where we can't physically see each other. So video, a great way for human connection. On the other hand, death by Zoom. <laughs> How many hours have we wasted in meetings that maybe only 5% of the information was relevant? No knock to the people running these meetings. It's been necessary. But think about the ability to do a video communication to somebody you want to sincerely connect with. And then somebody gets it. They review your video. They formulate a response that's well thought out and valuable and send a response back. Asynchronous video communication. Ooh, Sounds so cool. Anyway, let's move to our conversation with Josh Little, and please stick around for the entire episode. Well, I think centerpiece is a wise word to use there, Deb, because we are filling the gap between Slack and Zoom. And so what I mean by that is you really have two ways to communicate with your coworkers. You can either type to them on platforms like text or email or chat, or you can talk to them. And when you cross that threshold, inevitably, Written communication fails to be adequate for certain reasons. When you have to explain it, when there's a lot of context, when it's nuanced, maybe emotionally charged, it's not simple. It's not a one or two liner. We need to talk. And everyone's felt this instinct. And that's usually the instinct where you move to your calendar, click a date, look at somebody else's calendar, find a time that you can coordinate because talking historically has been synchronous. From the beginning of time, all communication formats have either fallen on one side written asynchronous or talking verbal synchronous. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, my name is Deb Coviello, founder of Illumination Partners, and I sincerely want to thank you for joining us on another episode of the Drop-In CEO podcast. Week after week, I get to speak to amazing leaders so they can share their insights with you. And if you enjoy this episode, please subscribe and share with others so we can continue to bring you great programming. And I also like to make you this offer, The CEO's Compass my gift to you to get you back on track, my book that's being published later this year. For more information about my consulting services and how to elevate your team, contact me at dropinceo.com and let's start a conversation. And now I'm honored to share the mic with my fantastic guest, Josh Little. Josh is the founder of four tech companies, Maestro, Bloomfire, 
Quizzer, and Volley. They have collectively been used by hundreds of millions of people, and his work has been featured in TechCrunch, Mashable, Entrepreneurs, Inc., and Forbes. And with two successful exits and a third pending, he's currently on a mission to save the working world from death by meetings and his fourth creation, Volley. And we're going to get into this a little bit more, but he is also a fifth generation pickler and a classically trained singer. Josh, welcome to the show. Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me and for that great intro. Well, I mean, you did the hard work. You've done all these fantastic things for which I really want to bring your backstory as well as your amazing offer to the world to change the lives of so many. So why don't we just get into it a little bit? Please share us a little bit about yourself personally, your journey, and the work that you're doing now. Yeah. So I'm from Michigan originally and a teacher by training. I taught in public school and then I went off into the corporate world and found out that the same skills that made me a great teacher also made me great at sales and did really well in sales at three Fortune 500 companies and eventually led to scratching an itch that I just had when I was trying to build a global training program at Stryker, a medical device company. I was trying to build an e-learning program. This is back in 2005 and 2006 when e-learning was a new thing. And I couldn't find a company that could do it, that could just take our binders and our DVDs and CDs and make e-learning out of them. And so I started working with a number of vendors that could do different pieces and parts. And I thought, well, a company should just do this. So I ended up leaving and starting the company that I wish existed. And that company today is Maestro and now creates e-learning content for the Facebooks and the Netflixes of the world. We started in medical device, but a very successful e-learning content company. And from the back of that, I built a company called Bloomfire because we were able to see the problems across the masses of training organizations and realizing, you know what, 90% of what you need to know to do your job, you don't learn from training. You learn from interactions, talking around the water cooler, the text message, the video that so-and-so sent, the email that you have to save. And where is all of that saved and how do we get back to it? So Bloomfire collected all your organization's brain into one social interface. We called it social learning. We were way early. The world wasn't ready to be social at work yet. Twitter had just launched the year before, but it worked. We found some pioneering sort of companies and leaders that were able to bring the platform in-house. And the company was acquired after about 18 months in market. And today, Bloomfire is the premier knowledge management platform out there. It's now a thing people do socially at work is learn and share with one another. And then I built a third company called Quizzer, which I thought was going to be a quiz tool for teachers and trainers, but marketers and publishers got a hold of it and started embedding quizzes in their site and just blew the thing up. So we pretty much overnight decided to start building for marketers and publishers, pulled all the features for teachers and trainers out, and it became a social engagement company, which wasn't our intention, but we put things out into the world and we see what the world thinks. And that was a great ride. And I took quite a break after Quizzer, actually, to find the next thing. I built a few successful companies now. I wanted to build my magnum opus. And so I actually took four years and it was kind of the thinking about this problem, how to get the right information to the right people at the right time at work. Been thinking about that since Bloomfire. And then kind of the confluence of that, plus falling in love with asynchronous communication, asynchronous conversations on platforms like Snapchat or Marco Polo, 
And then COVID hitting that kind of brought those three together. It was like, oh, this is how we need to communicate at work. We need asynchronous video communication at work because now everyone's going remote and we have all of these Zoom meetings back to back to back. Our calendars are full of quotes meetings. And what are meetings really? Isn't that just an excuse to have a conversation? Don't we just need to talk? And why do we need to wait till Thursday at 3.30 to talk? We could just talk right now because I need help right now and I'm blocked right now. And you have my answer, but I don't want to interrupt you. And I need to get on your calendar. So it's, it's created kind of this very similar to the problems we were trying to solve with Bloomfire, but now technologies have changed. There's a new set of tools to do such things. And so that's when we decided to build Volley. We feel like Volley is the end of death by meetings. So that's what we're trying to do is save the world from endless slot of back-to-back meetings. So this is an amazing journey. And the thing that ties it all together is that you saw a problem and you say, I'm going to lead the charge and try to figure out how to solve this. So kudos to you. A great journey. But I want to just slow it down just a little bit. There was just so much in there. When you got to Volley, I really need you to go a little bit deeper, paint a picture of what the current state is of we have these Zoom meetings, we have the remote meetings, and tell us a little bit more about the tool that is the centerpiece of Volley and why this is different and why it's better than the current state. Well, I think centerpiece is a wise word to use there, Deb, because we are filling the gap between Slack and Zoom. And so what I mean by that is you really have two ways to communicate with your coworkers. You can either type to them on platforms like text or email or chat, or you can talk to them. And when you cross that threshold, inevitably, written communication fails to be adequate for certain reasons. When you have to explain it, when there's a lot of context, when it's nuanced, maybe emotionally charged. It's not simple. It's not a one or two liner. We need to talk. And everyone's felt this instinct. And that's usually the instinct where you move to your calendar, click a date, look at somebody else's calendar, find a time that you can coordinate because talking historically has been synchronous. From the beginning of time, all communication formats have either fallen on one side, written asynchronous or talking verbal synchronous. But technology exists that allows us to blur those lines. There's no reason why I can't talk asynchronously. I can talk without interrupting. We can do that with video these days, asynchronous video. And platforms like Snapchat have been doing it for years. We've just been doing it with our friends and sending snaps back and forth, video snaps. So this is Volley's kind of like Snapchat for work, or if you haven't used Snapchat, it's kind of like Marco Polo for work, another platform that has pioneered this asynchronous video format. There are a number of tools at work, things like Loom, for example, that say we are asynchronous video, but Volley is very different than that. So Loom, for example, I can create a video which posts it on a web page, and I send a link to that page to you and you can comment on it. But that's not a conversation. Volley is a conversation. We share video messages back and forth. We take turns just like any other conversation, just like this conversation. We've taken, what, four or five turns so far. Instead of you listening to my turn while I'm speaking and I'm listening to your turn while you're speaking, we can separate those with time. And then we get all sorts of benefits when we do that. I can listen to you on 2x because my brain can actually comprehend speech spit up two to three times. And why wouldn't I do that if I can get the full context of what you're saying and see what you're saying in the body language? By speaking, I can do something that I'm naturally seven to eight times faster at than typing to you. 
And by separating your volley from mine, I can take three seconds or 10 seconds or 10 minutes to think about what you said. And educational research has shown us that anytime that you can separate the question from the response, even by as small as three seconds, the responder is going to generate a much better response, a more succinct, more thoughtful response. And so we get all of these superpowers with asynchronous communication. And that's why we like it. That's why we like Slack is because it's asynchronous and I can fit it into corners of my day and I can do it when I need to and I can think about it before I respond, right? It's the ultimate tool for introverts. I totally get it. <laughs> and I love what you're saying about this because I can find myself, I'm walking the dog and then a thought comes to me and I want to thank somebody for, hey, you were a great guest on my podcast. So I'll immediately go into one of my platforms, record a message and send a message over to them because I want to provide a human touch and it's much easier than me trying to text with one finger while walking the dog. But at the same time, I've left a personal message and the person can pick it up when they want to. And I very often find, ooh, a personal message, not just a text that's been abbreviated and you can miss some context. And then they respond back to me with a voice message back. Thank you so much for your message because they heard some context. They heard some emotion. There was more of an emotional connection in there. And then obviously a video makes it three dimensional. You can get your thoughts across quickly in the moment or to your point, you can think about your response. Sometimes introverts in a Zoom meeting don't want to respond right away. They want that time to internalize and rather than being uncomfortable with the extroverts, they can think, formulate, and then reply back at will. I love this. Absolutely. This is one of the exciting things that we've been hearing from our users. One manager told me, you know what? There's a couple of people on my team that are showing up totally different in Bali. Like, I don't even know if I knew who they were. They never speak up in meetings. And so they're pretty confident in Bali. On the other side, I heard from an engineer, not on the same team, different team that said, you know, my friends on WhatsApp and Snapchat think I'm funny. They think I'm confident. They think something totally different about me than the people at work. No one at work thinks that about me because I'm quiet in meetings. I don't know what to say. I'm not confident. I trip over my words. And as a fellow introvert, I understand that. This is one of the reasons I'm doing podcasts is I'm not as fast as encoding as my mouth can speak these words sometimes. What's really great about this is that there's a very human side about it. Again, we're leveraging technology for our communications, potentially more efficient. We'll get into the efficiencies that this brings to organizations when you don't have to have all those meetings. But it is building confidence. It's leveling the playing field. It's liberating some people that may not have spoken up. So talk about the beauty and the side effects of leveraging technology that exists today. So we could continue in the technology thing, but I'd love to bring it back to a personal note. You've started three, four companies, something about your background. I would love to dig a little bit deeper into, I think you said in your discovery call that there were some role models along the way that helped you in understanding what it was like to be an entrepreneur and then later you pursuing the same. Well, my mom was an entrepreneur and I didn't know that. Neither did she, honestly. She did odd jobs. She painted houses and cleaned houses. She would take me and my brother along because we couldn't afford daycare back in the 70s and 80s. So we got to work with her and she would pay us sometimes. And then she would, when I got old enough, she got me jobs mowing lawns. 
And I didn't know that I was an entrepreneur then. And when I turned 16, I went and got a job in restaurants. I worked in restaurants for eight years until I got a job teaching. And I just thought, okay, I'm done with that odd job thing. But she was an entrepreneur and she was a dreamer. Not was, she is a dreamer. <laughs> if, you, if you had a conversation, you would know that. So all of this crazy entrepreneurial thing that I've done is really just kind of following her example and believing that you can kind of do anything if you just are brave enough to try. I share that as well because I started out being a creative and yes, I was smart. I eventually went into engineering, but I can tell you, I too had a paper route. I used to do magic shows, sell lemonade, do arts and crafts, anything to make some money and have some sense of independence. And I think I carry that too after starting my own business, probably pursuing something I should have done a long, long time ago. I'm envious of people like you who seem to have been doing it most of their career. But you also have another pursuit. This is why I wanted to bring you onto the show. You're multidimensional, not just an amazing creator and an entrepreneur, but talk to me about pickles. Where do pickles come from? Like I said, my family didn't have money, but they had great pickle recipes. And my great-great-grandfather wrote them down in a leather-bound book. And that's what sits in my safe at home today is my family's pickle recipes. And so when I moved to Utah about 10 years ago, because I used to make pickles with my dad in Michigan, I always had plenty of pickles. But when I moved to Utah, I thought, oh, I need to start making pickles. So I started making them and I started giving them to friends. And pretty soon that became friends of friends and then friends of friends of friends. And it became a pretty expensive proposition to give away hundreds of jars of pickles each year. So I thought, well, maybe there's something to this. Maybe this recipe is good enough to actually commercialize. So in my last journey to find my magnum opus, I thought for a few months, maybe pickles were it. And I hired a pickle scientist and we made hundreds of batches of pickles. And we eventually found out what I was trying to do was scientifically impossible, which is make a craft pickle flavor in a shelf-stable jar. And it just scientifically impossible. They're either going to taste a lot like the ones that you already get on the shelf, or they're going to go bad in about three months. So ended up passing on that idea, but I still make pickles once a year. It's a total hipster hobby. I have a wait list. I send an email. I sell out in about an hour. And I only jar what I can grow. And that's about as, as far as it's going to get because it, it already takes too much time each year. All right. So is there any room for Deborah at to get on your email list? Oh, yeah. If you go to joshespickles.com <laughs> and get on the wait list, you'll get an email. First one to hit reply and give me a number and hit my Venmo. We'll get those pickles. Yeah, we talked about pickles and we joked a little bit, but there's something in there about courage or the willingness to try or having the mindset let's give this a go. Have you always been that way? Or is that something that came over time to say, hey, what do I have to lose? No, not always been that way. My mom was that way, but my dad was very much not that way. He's very safe and kind of calculates things out. And so I kind of followed my dad's temperament until I had this experience when I was 19, I guess. I bought a 1986 Toyota 4Runner and it had a blown head gasket. And I had never done a head gasket. I did work on cars a little bit, but a friend of mine owned Forerunners and he liked to work on cars. So I said, hey, do you know how to fix a head gasket in 86 Forerunner? And he said, yeah, bring it over to my house on Saturday, buy the parts and we'll, we'll do it. And so I got the truck over there. We got the parts, showed up Saturday morning and he opened the hood and started taking parts off of this truck. And 
like we were flying, like nuts and bolts flying just, and then I started to see him put some parts back on. And I was like, wait, do you know what you're doing? Have you done this before? He's like, no. I was like, wait, hold on, hold on. We can't do this. This is a head. This is a pretty intricate job. He's like, dude, it's just nuts and bolts. We can figure this out. If folks at the mechanic shop can figure this out, we can figure it out. And it sounds stupid, but that was just like a eureka moment for me. Like, what? You can figure things out if you want to. You can make mistakes if you just choose to, and then you can fix them when you make them and learn from them. I know that's crazy because some people grew up in that culture, but it didn't dawn on me. But since then, actually, this experience is called the Goss Principle because Jeremy Goss is the one that was doing the head gasket. It's written into our trust, something to hand down to our children. It's one of our family values, values is to be brave enough to try. And it all started from a head gasket. So that is so inspirational. And the people that I talk to in this podcast, even though I, I do try to focus on the senior leader who is having challenges and may have to pull on a compass point to get them back on track, whether it's in their purpose or mentoring their people. But one of the things you talk about It's just having the right mindset, having the courage to at least try, know what your true north is or what you're trying to achieve and be brave enough to either in yourself, you'll figure it out or bring in people that can help you on that journey as well. So very inspirational. Anybody listening to this, think about where you want to go and just trust yourself. You'll figure it out along the way. So let's bring it back to Volley because I am so intrigued by this. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about if you had to talk to your ideal client for this tool, what are they feeling? What pain are they feeling right now? And how can you guarantee or say this can definitely resolve a certain issue they're having in their organization? Well, they're feeling a number of sources of pain coming from kind of one main source. So they're feeling maybe out of touch with their team. Their calendar is full of meetings. They're interrupted throughout the day because in between the meetings, they're trying to keep up with Slack or emails or the phone call or or whatever ends up happening, right? So the day is just cut up into little chunks. They probably have a list of really important things that they know they need to do to move their work or the company forward. They just can't get to them. And then maybe they're trying to get to them in nights and weekends. Those are kind of the swatches on the mood board of pain that the ideal volley customer is feeling. They probably also work remote because that tends you to make you feel a little more disconnected with your team. We can do the virtual happy hours thing, but that's forced fun. We know that doesn't work. So we'll try. And so because when we went remote, we removed so many of those small interactions, whether it was me jumping out in the hall and scaring you or the story that you told at lunch, or when we walked out to the car, we were talking about X, Y, or Z, maybe work, maybe not. Those interactions didn't seem like much until they were taken away. They summed up to equal relationship or connectedness. And so I think anyone who's working remote feels that pain and is probably feeling some of the other things as well. And this is just because you don't have a way to talk, connect, to lead. Patrick Lencioni has said leaders lead in meetings, but really what he's saying is leaders lead in interaction with your team and interaction just got stifled, or we now have to schedule interaction, which means it's 
stifled in some major way. So those are some of the pieces, I think, that would cause you to say, hmm, asynchronous video conversation, that threaded video messaging, that sounds like that might work. Yeah, I'm very intrigued by this technology and the prospect of testing this out because, again, you've made a, a really significant point given the pandemic. And again, we try not to date these podcasts, but we've lost connection. It's almost not about the technical interaction or the decisions that we're going to make because, yeah, we can do that anytime. But when you make a really significant human connection, hey, I'm at the pub or the bar, I'm catching a beverage, but I just had this thought and I wanted to share with you, I wanted to bounce it off you because I was thinking about you and I'd love your feedback. Talk about connection. And the person receiving it says, oh, wow, that's a really great idea. Let me get back to them and share that. Again, you can certainly make a phone call, but video. Video is the utmost in making connection when we are separated by people. So I love the product. I love the process. (laughs) I'd love to ask you another question because you wrote a blog back in December. I'll frame it up for you. (laughs) The answer is not talking less it's in talking different. Is that something different than the asynchronous communication? Or did you have another concept that you want to express that? Because I think your thought leadership is really, really strong. The answer is not in talking less, it's in talking different. Well, I think I wrote that line in the context of Zoom fatigue. I think that's what the article was titled, or it was something around Zoom fatigue. And the popular answers to Zoom fatigue are, we've all read the articles that say, oh, step away from your computer or turn your 30-minute meetings into 25-minute meetings or virtual happy hours. And and these are all well-intentioned ideas, but they're all just equaling talking less in some way, some Zooming less to make Zoom fatigue less painful. But the answer isn't talking less, it's talking different. It's talking in a way that by the end of the day, you feel like you did two days of work and you're leaving energized because you're constantly in the flow of work. And that's what it's like working at Volley on our team and our heavy users is they're feeling this. In fact, I heard from a user the other day, this may be sacrilege, but she said, we're even wondering if we should not have stand-up because we kind of already know what's going on. So a stand-up is a ritual for software development teams. It's a meeting each morning where you say, basically what you did yesterday, what you plan to work on today, and where you're blocked. And for software development teams that do this, it's kind of like, it is some version of religion. But we've noticed this at Volley too, that we're interacting. Like I might send 80 volleys in a day to different members of my team, and we're touching base on so many different things. We're constantly in the flow of work. So when it comes to stand-up, I kind of already know what you're working on. I kind of know what you did yesterday because I heard and saw all of that. And we don't really need to touch base. So imagine being so synced up that you don't need to like have a sync up sort of meeting. So that's kind of the higher law I think that is possible to get to. I know it's out there sort of concept, but I think it's possible when we start talking different. And you talk about the word flow. When people get in flow and you're able to have an interaction to address a point or a question while you're in flow versus the interruption of waiting for a meeting, you detract from the creative process. And if you can do it in sync by asynchronous communication, you can get concepts, ideas, or things to go on flow a lot faster. Amazing, amazing. 
I'd love to continue going, but where are we at in the development of this product? Is it available or what is the timeline? Because for people that are listening that says, this is really interesting. I would like to have a conversation. Where are we at in the development cycle? Well, a great product is always in development, but we are publicly available on iOS, Android, Mac, and PC on desktop. So any team can adopt Volley and use it cross-platform. And that's our goal is to be on your computer so you can talk without interruption there. Or as you're doing your lunch walk, you can keep up with your team and unblock someone or touch base with someone through the on-demand one-on-one. You can talk about this, but really it's about the testimonials. And I wasn't able to find a testimony, but what's one thing that somebody said about the impact that this product has had on them? We need to get testimonials up on our site. I've been collecting them. But some of the more touching ones to me are Volley has brought us closer together with our team or Volley just makes working together better, which is a little generic, but we think that's true. Or the one of the introvert I mentioned earlier that felt like Bali helps him show up different to his team. Or another one is Bali brings back the fun and spontaneity that we lost when going remote. Because I can volley you and tell you that joke. I'm not going to schedule a Zoom call. I'm not going to write it in Slack. I'm, I'll just volley it. And then you can laugh or react with a crying emoji or whatever. And we had the interaction and I didn't interrupt your flow. You stayed in flow. You wrote that last line. You closed that deal. Whatever it was you were working on, I didn't stop that thought with the joke. But I did get to say the joke when I needed to say it. And then I can move on with my day. So technology and humanity all wrapped into one. That's the power of volley. That's the dream. That's the dream. And I'm just excited you and I were introduced. The point about this software, this application, the problem that you solve, bringing connection back into the work that we do is so powerful. If people wanted to connect with you, how best can they do that? Go to volleyapp.com, V-O-L-L-E-Y-A-P-P, and find me on Volley. And any last thoughts that you may have for our listeners? Oh, just replace those back-to-back meetings with threaded video conversations and save yourself a lot of heartache. Powerful message. I know people are going to want to connect with you. You were a different interview, but I felt it was just so powerful as an entrepreneur, a risk taker, seeing a problem and bringing humanity back to the workplace using technology was a message that our listeners had to hear. So thank you for being an amazing guest. And I wish you continued success with all of your businesses. Well, thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I hope you are inspired by our conversation and can apply what you heard to your business or career goals. For more information about our consulting or coaching services, please visit my website at dropinceo.com or visit our Drop-In CEO Facebook group to continue the conversation. Now go out, lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.